Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. I'm here with my colleague, Nathan Lear. My name is Glenn Fairburn. We're proudly brought to you by Hewlson Private Wealth, one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Um, today we'll be chatting about interest rates and the property market and where we think it may be heading for 2018. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Now today we are going to have a discussion around interest rates for 2018. Obviously we're early uh, into the year. Uh, There's been a lot of speculation around which way rates may go, if anywhere at all, throughout this year and also the potential impact that any movement or non-movement in interest rates may have on Australian property. So Glenn, to start it off, we'll have a I think about uh, interest rates and what, what might happen this year. What are your thoughts? I think the key thing to, I suppose, consider when we're looking at what the future direction of interest rates might be is to look at the current situation. Um, and, and I suppose in, in factual terms, interest rates are, or well, the cash rate's currently 1.5%, uh, which is an all-time low. Um, so, so I think, as we've spoken about a little bit in the past, I think it'd be fair to say that our overall view would be that if we're looking at which direction interest rates are likely to go in the foreseeable future, it's most likely to be up. But I suppose that's probably driven by the fact that interest rates are so low at the moment and we, we don't really see how the RBA could look at cutting them any further. It, it almost seems impossible that, that they could do that. Um, but I think that if what, we're looking... What would be a catalyst, in your view, for rates to go lower, which isn't the, isn't the, the, the common yeah. or house view? What do you think... In, in extreme situation, which can things can happen that you don't expect. We all know that. Yeah. What might drive rates lower? I think it would have to be some sort of catastrophic economic event. I mean, would it be growth really slowing down? It have to be something or? really significant. I think that you know, if we look at the global economy, things seem to be picking up. I mean, there's a lot of great signs coming out of the US, and obviously they've got their tax case, tax cuts, which were recently passed, which arguably is going to stimulate their economy even further. There's positive signs coming out of Europe. So the economic climate globally seems to be quite positive. Um, as I said earlier, I think that rates with where they are at the moment are very, very low. And for, for what it's worth, I mean, my, my, my thoughts would be that the RBA would be very reluctant to cut rates because, in the current environment anyway, because it does leave them with very little, um, I suppose, manoeuvring or, or room to move if there is a catastrophic event. And, and for, as I said, for... My, my point of view is that it would have to be something significant, like a GFC-type event, for the, for the RBA to look at cutting rates. I know we're going to speak about property a little bit later in terms of impacts on property, but I think with, with property prices where they are in Melbourne and Sydney, I think that's a huge deterrent as well for the RBA Reserve Bank of Australia to cut rates even more because that, that will fuel property prices. And, and we all know that's, that's a big concern where we don't want prices kind of skyrocketing too much higher. So I think that's also going to a bit of yeah. a, 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 tr- a reason why they won't cut. I think that that's a really good point. But I think the one thing that's helped the RBA, and this is where I suppose it's, it's important for the regulators um, to work together on these things because as we've spoken about before, you know, there's been a significant boom in our property market for over a decade now. 
Um, and, and I think that ideally what the RBA would have been doing in normal situations would be increasing interest rates to try and slow that market down. But they haven't been able to do that because economic activity has basically been benign. And, in, and low inflation too. And, and low inflation. Yeah. So I suppose the advantage that they've had is that through the tightening regulations with, with APRA where they've, I suppose, put a cap on um, the, the ability for banks to grow their lending, um, banks are also tightening their lending criteria. That in some ways has meant that they haven't had to increase interest rates to slow down the market. But just getting back to, I suppose, looking at what may happen this year and, and what are the, some of the, 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 the key um, things to look at when we're trying to predict what rates might do, I suppose one of the key things that the RBA looks at is the inflation rate. Now, they've got a target of around 2%. So if we start getting closer to that level of inflation, that's where the RBA may be inclined to, to move up. Um, but, I mean, the most recent figures have been below that. So, so, so Glenn, for our, our listeners that might not be familiar with the relationship between uh, inflation and interest rates, do you want to... Do you want to maybe spend a moment or two just talking about why that's so important? Yeah, so the RBA has a target inflation rate. So that, that's so 2 to 3%? Yeah, well, it's actually up to 2%. Up to 2% um, is it now? So, I mean, basically what we don't want is inflation running too hot. Otherwise, that can obviously have negative impacts for, for, the, for the economy. So they try and keep that under some control. And the way they do that is by, by, using, by manipulating interest rates, I suppose. So if they want to, if they see um, the inflation rate rapidly increasing and they want to slow that down, that's where they increase interest rates. So that generally is a key thing to look at when we're trying to predict what interest rates might do. So, so and at the moment, because growth has been a little bit slower than perhaps we'd like it in terms of economic activity, uh, inflation at the same time has been a little bit lower. So that, you know, the, the yeah, It's been thing, below their sort of target their range. Target. Prices haven't been rising, which is generally correlated to the the, 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 the gross domestic product or GDP. So so the RBA has been reluctant to rise interest rates for And that also reason. wage growth has been fairly fairly weak as well. Has been, definitely. Um, but look, I suppose with interest rates, the when you look at the Australian economy, it's it's as as we've spoken about before, it's it's in some ways a two pronged economy because we've had Perth, which is arguably, you know, I suppose very heavily correlated to the the mining and mining services sector that has arguably been in in recession for a number of years. Obviously, coming back quite strongly in the last twelve months as commodity prices have increased. But um, it, it is that two speed economy where arguably Melbourne and Sydney have been going quite well. But you know those sort of heavily mining um, based states like um, perhaps Queensland and, and and WA have probably been a little bit slower. Um, but but I think for my my view is if we're looking at over the next twelve months, as I said, the key thing to look at is inter- is inflation, which in some ways is still fairly low. Um, so I mean, my view, without trying to predict too um, too much, I, I would think that it, the interest rates would most likely remain on hold. I think a lot of people are thinking that, if not a possible increase later in the year, mm. um, I think a lot of it will, will hedge on or will, will hinge on. What's happening in the global economy? I mean, we sort of talk about the Australian economy and how it's working. The fact is that we're such a small economy, you know, representing two percent of the world economy, that we're largely impacted by what happens overseas. So, with the tax cuts in the US, that could be um, a stimulus for us. Obviously, we'd be hoping that that translates to greater exports to the US. If China continues to to motor along and if Europe continues to pick up, they're all positive signs for us. So. 
that would be something that potentially increases economic activity here, helps our GDP, and we may see an interest rate increase later in the year. I probably share the same view. I think it's unlikely we'll see one. If we do see one arise, that is, it'll be late in the year. And I think it all, it's so much of it depends on what happens throughout the year. So, I mean, we sit here today and we, you know, we kind of try and speculate what might happen, but the RBA will only move on it if certain things happen. And so it is a guessing game we're playing, I guess, for the sake of the podcast, we're kind of yeah. having a bit of a, a guess at what, what might happen. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and the end of the year, isn't there? Yeah, and I think that if we look at what the most likely scenario is, is there enough information for a rate cut? Probably not at the moment. I mean, things, as I said earlier, are looking quite positive. Um, although our economy's been fairly lackluster when we compare to what's happening overseas, it's still motoring along okay. It's probably not the sort of growth that we'd be hoping for, but it's not doing too bad. So if we're looking at a rate cut, as I said earlier, my view would be that the RBA would be very reluctant because if they do cut now to try and just give it that little bit more injection of, of, of growth and then we do have an economic event, um, it doesn't give them a, a lot of room to move. Um, but on the flip side, I think an interest rate increase right now, it's just, I don't think it's warranted at, 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 at the point we speak right now. Maybe later in the year, as economic activity improves, that's where we might see that movement upwards. I have heard a couple of economists say there might be a cut next. I don't think it's a common popular view. What do you think that would be based on? Because wage growth is is sort of benign. I think wage growth and inflation being still very low. Lower than they'd like it. And just to boost the economy, I think that's the, the view of those economists. But then... I think the property situation really does play into it, like household yeah. debt. And I think, I, th- I think yeah. just just to answer the question that you asked before about what might um, sort of result in the RBA cutting rates, it could also be you know a turn or a, a fallback again with with commodity prices. I mean, if we look at sort of this time, was it last year? The resource resources you know had fallen quite considerably, but then we've seen a fairly strong rebound. If if that fell again. You know, given that our economy is so reliant on on commodities and resource exports, that could be something. Mm. But there's nothing on the horizon that sort of leads you to believe that that's any, anywhere close at the moment. I think and it's oil, un- oil's just yeah. hit an all time, you know, not an all time high, but back above seventy dollars. So it's it's going strong. I think it's unlikely, but and you know, you never know, do you? I mean, we we we've spoken a lot about you know things like Brexit and Trump and. There's always things that, that can happen that you just don't expect. It's and the unknown, isn't it, as, as we're saying? Yeah, as we sit here, I think it's unlikely there'll be a cut. Um, but Or an increase. Or an increase, yeah. probably as well, but you never know. So in terms of, we've had a good chat there about interest rates and what might happen this year, whether it be up or down or if anything at all, probably probably flat is our consensus view there. If, if that does happen, um, how do you think that might impact Australian property? If there's an increase? Well, just let's just play through a few scenarios. So so I think we've said that we think it'll probably be no cuts. Yeah. Um, oh, well, look, maybe before you answer that question, we, we touched on before some of the uh, initiatives that, that APRA, the, the regulator, is, is doing to try and, um, I guess, uh, protect Australians against any 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 crash in, in property prices. And, and one of the things they're doing is uh, with with the bank's loan growth, they're I guess capping how much they can grow their loan books at ten percent. That's one initiative, and then 
Um, I think you touched on it earlier, Glenn, that the, the banks are also, um, they've restructured, I guess, in terms of the, the, the rates on, on interest-only loans. Um, they've, they've increased, m- most of the major banks have increased interest-only loans. So that is somewhat of a deterrent for um, property investors yeah, and may slow the market a little bit. They've definitely done the RBA a favor there, like mm-hmm. as, as far as, you know, the, the biggest concern in our economy, I believe at the moment, is is the housing market in that how rapidly it's grown how but there are signs that it's slowing so do do you think what i just said then in terms of the initiatives from apra and what the banks have done with interest rates do you think that's helping i think that is helping and i think we're seeing that in the performance of the property market late late last year if we look at rolling returns for the last 12 months we're getting into single digit growth figures now that hasn't been seen for 10 years so i think we are seeing that the property market is slowing, but it is very segmented. I mean, we, you know, we, we talk about the property market Australia whole, but if you break it up into states, I mean, the WA market, you know, that's that's in some areas fallen fifty percent. There's six, certain segments of the you know, Brisbane apartment market they've fallen. Um, so so it, it's a difficult, it's a really difficult one to just look at it as one big property market because it is very segmented. Yeah, when you have federal interest rates. Um, and then different states performing right. differently it can be it can be hard to match up. So, in terms of the the hot spots, and we'll say Melbourne and Sydney. Do you well? Firstly, do you think that they're like? I'll just ask the question. Do you think they're expensive, Melbourne and Sydney property prices? Look, it's a really difficult one, and I think that a lot of people and and I I, I do this. I know that we've we've had discussions about it. Is the only thing you can do is compare it to other places around the world. Um, what about its history as well? So looking at um, you know prices to income you know, going back throughout hundred years. Well, it's it's, it's it, if we if we compare it to other similar economies around the world, yeah. so Canada, New Zealand, it's right UK, up there, US, we're looking at four times earnings, whereas and, and that's higher than all of those. Um, so it's so say, say that again, four times earnings. It, it's four times the median income as far as what the value of, of residential stock is versus what people are actually earning. Um, so, so that that's that's a pretty like if we compare that with other economies, um, you know, we're we're one of the most expensive in the world. Like as far as property prices are, are the most more expensive in Australia than what they are in, in a lot of those Western countries. That's right, and and when you look at all the the measures, price to income and price property prices to rents, um, Melbourne and Sydney or Australia, but generally. Melbourne and Sydney when you break so it down. When I said four times, that's four times the size of the economy, not not earnings. Okay. So, at, at, I mean, I'm just looking at a figure here. So the nation, the value of all homes in Australia is about seven point three trillion dollars, which is four times our GDP. Now, if you compare that to the US and U, the US and UK markets, which had a significant run up pre GFC, they didn't even get to those levels. So, I mean, that that's a pretty alarming sort of figure. Um, where we compare that to, I suppose, other Western countries. Mm. But I suppose on the flip side, our, our housing market's so different to theirs because, you know, a lot of people live in the major capital cities which are around the coastal areas. So when you look at the size of the country, you might think, well, how can their property market be so expensive? But we live in very concentrated areas. So I think it's, it's good to compare with how overseas markets have performed and how they're valued but we're also a very different market. So it's really difficult to predict. But all, all we can do is look at valuations and compare it with what it's been historically. Yeah, so and on a number of those measures, it, it's, it's 
extremely expensive. It, yeah, so I think two things there. Comparing it to other countries, we're always we're always right up there in terms of expensive amongst you know, Canada and a couple of other countries in the world. Mm-hmm. And then if you look back through um, our own stats in terms of Australia's, look, a common, a common measure is price to income. And I, I just read an article earlier uh, looking at Sydney in 2017, so last year, um, the average Sydney house prices averaged 13 times that of average yearly income. And any, anything above five is considered to be unaffordable. So if you earn, yeah, so basically 13 times your, what you earn in a year, yeah. that's the average. So you know, if you earn $100,000 or the average income is $100,000, the, the, the um, average house price might be $1.3 million. And anything above five or five hundred thousand dollars in that example is considered expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it definitely is expensive at the moment relative to some measures, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose what we're, I suppose, wanting to talk about is just stemming off what we we're talking about earlier with interest rates. How will interest rates therefore impact property prices further? Because we're already seeing that a lot of the, um, I suppose regulatory changes with APRA and but also what the banks are doing off their own bat seem to be slowing down the market. Um, I think it's you know as we're saying there's it's probably the slowest it has been for a long time. As I mentioned earlier, single digit annual growth figures uh, across the country, which is the lowest it's been for a long time. Um, if rates do start to move up, what, what, I mean, there's only one thing that can start happening to property prices, isn't there? Look, you'd you think so with the, the, the level of um, household debt that we have, you'd think interest rate rises would, would have an impact. I, I, think it, I think it depends on how much they go up and how quickly they go up. Yep. I, think if, I think if they, for example, they went up 2% in a year, so if we went from 1.5% to 3.5%, that would you know, put shockwaves through the property market. But if, it, if they're controlled rises, um, so let's say... Let's say this year we had none and next year we had one or two 25 basis point increases in interest rates. That would probably be more palatable. I think the other thing to bear in mind is that as rates increase, because of the level of debt that we have now, that the RBA probably doesn't have to increase rates as much to really put the brakes on. Because mm. if you're in a situation where there's low levels of debt, then the impact of an interest rate increase is lower but we forever are hearing about the significant level of debt, you know, 120% of GDP, some of the highest figures in the world. Um, if, if rates do increase, the impact of going from, you know, 1.5% cash rate to 2% arguably is greater than the impact of interest rates increasing from, you know, in the late 80s when they were double digits because the level of debt is so much greater. Um, so I suppose the risk there is that if the economy does have um, some some good growth figures and, and rates do progressively increase um, that it could really put the brakes on the property market. I think that's unlikely. I think that we're unlikely to see rapid increases in interest rates. Um, and I think, Nathan, I'm not sure if you agree, but I, I mean, I know we're talking about how expensive the market is and how rates are only likely to go up and that that is not a positive for property. But having said that, I mean, I'm not sure if you agree, but I can't see the market crashing. Anything's possible. Um, but I don't think anyone's saying that we're going to see that you know the fifty percent falls that we've seen in the US and the UK post GFC. Yeah, I think that's unlikely. You'd need a couple of different events to all happen at the same time. You'd need you'd need the 
the probably the economy to slow and unemployment to go up. You'd need the in, and then the interest rates. Well, interest rates probably wouldn't go up if that happened, but interest rates if they go up, that could be another catalyst. And probably on the demand side, if if the overseas appetite slowed down, and that's a really good point because I suppose the other thing that we haven't spoken about yet is that you know quite often when we're talking about the strength of the property market and the demand for property and that's pushing prices up, we do talk about foreign buyers, but there's also been some. Um, tax changes and stamp duty changes around Australia that are impacting that as well. That's um, right. So, yeah, we, we both <laughs> had a, a chat before about the um, some of the initiatives that the well, the New South Wales government basically doubled stamp duty for foreign investors from, uh, from 4% to 8% and also increased the annual land tax surcharge from uh, 0.75% to 2%. So, it's good to see that the, the the states, in particular Sydney and Melbourne's, also undertaken a few initiatives, are, are doing things to try and slow that demand because they don't want a situation Australia, but also the states. We don't want a situation where property prices just continue to skyrocket to no. unaffordable levels. That's not good for anyone, is it? No, exactly right. And I think the other thing is, aside from those stamp duty increases, um, I think eighty percent of foreign buyers are, are Chinese buyers. Um, and, and they're also being impacted by the restrictions on the ability for them to draw money out of the country. So th- these are all things that I suppose are happening behind the scenes that are having an impact on demand for property. Um, but, but look, I, I suppose as advisors, what, although we're talking about what the short-term movements are likely to be, I suppose the one thing that we'd continue, continue to stress to our clients is that you don't necessarily lose when you're buying the property. You, you, you lose if you're forced to sell that property and it's come off in a short period of time. So I suppose our suggestion talking about interest rates and property would be to look at your situation right now um, and f- at least factor in an increase in interest rates. Um, so although, although that may not happen in the next 12 months, I think there's a, a mo- more likely scenario that if we're looking you know, over the next two to three years, the rates are more than likely to go up. So I think you should be looking at a situation where you're looking at your budget, looking at your finances and factoring in an increase in interest rates and making sure that, that it's affordable. Because as I said earlier, the, the, the worst case scenario is that rates start going up, you can't meet those repayments, the property markets come off and you're forced to sell. And that's the only time you lose. With We're talking about property, whether it's a house or an investment, you, you lose when you're forced to sell. It doesn't really matter. I mean, we're talking about property price movements in 12 months. If you're not selling, it doesn't matter, does it? The yeah. key is to be in a situation where you can hold it long enough. Yeah, and, and probably one thing I'd say is don't don't try and time markets, especially if you're buying, especially there might be some first potential first home buyers listening and, and they might be thinking about buying and they're hearing what we're saying and they're like, oh, gee, I better not buy now. No. So if, if you're looking to buy it as a lifestyle asset, you know, don't, don't, don't try and time the market because as we said earlier, a lot of things can happen and, and we don't know how it's going to play out. Even if it's an investment. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're looking at buying a property or an investment, and, it, yeah. and you're going to hold it for 10 years, does it really matter? Even if it falls 10% in the next 12 months, does that really matter? So long as you're confident that over a 10-year period, you're going to get that growth. Because, I mean, to be honest, 10 years ago, we were saying the property market was expensive and it's continued to roll along. So although we're talking about the fundamentals and looking at you know likely scenarios and various matrix and saying look, the market looks expensive there's no guarantee that the market's going to come off so as you were saying Nathan I mean if you're sort of sitting back saying oh I might just wait for the market to fall and then I'll buy that's when you're getting into speculating isn't it and, and no one can get that right consistently 
Um, and as you said, I don't think anyone can win consistently from trying to time the market. The key is to firstly make sure that from a cash flow perspective, you can fund the repayments on a loan with interest rates where they are now, but also maybe looking at what's the long-term average of interest rates. If, if we say 6 to 7%, maybe use that as the figure to, to work into your assumptions when you're doing your cash flow analysis. And if you can afford it, then don't buy the property. And don't worry about what it's worth in the short term. Yeah, and, and like we say, uh, property would should be part of any well-diversified portfolio. So hopefully, you know, if you don't have property exposure in your portfolio, whether that's a direct property or exposure to property via some other um, vehicles or funds, um, I think it's good to have that that property exposure in your portfolio. Um, so just to, to wrap up the conversation today, uh, we spoke about interest rates and uh, a bit of a discussion around some of the forces that could move interest rates uh, either down or up or, or, or they were to stay flat. Uh, our, our, our view is that it's probably most likely they'll stay stay flat for 2018 uh, without any, any changes, maybe later in the year, depending on what happens throughout the course of the year. Um, and we also spoke about uh, some of the impacts that can have on, on property prices in Australia and also some of the other measures um, that the regulator and the banks are doing to you know, affect what the, 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 well, really their int- the interest rates are and the impacts that can have on, on property. Uh, so thank you for listening today and we, we hope you enjoyed and we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Please remember to search for Hewison Private Wealth on the various social media platforms, including Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Please also visit our website at www.hewison.com.au. Uh, we'd also really appreciate if you rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Um, thanks again, and remember to also email us if you can at moneymentors at Look forward to speaking to you all next week.